Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Are you tired of tracking every little calorie and macro? Or are you sick unto death of MyFitnessPal and longing to break free? And more fundamentally, do you beat yourself up for overeating or indulging in quote-unquote bad foods? If your controlling approach to nutrition is sucking your will to live, this episode is for you. Today, we're going to talk all about intuitive eating, which means fueling yourself according to your body's hunger signals. If you have been on a long journey of struggle and yo-yo dieting, this stuff is truly life-changing, so don't touch that dial. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit, Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friends, holy crap, it's 2021. (laughs) Does it feel different? (laughs) I hope you are as excited for this year as I am. I just feel, even though not a whole lot has changed in the past week or so, I just feel a whole new hope. Like we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to be able to travel soon, do all the things soon, be with friends and family, go to restaurants, go to shows. It's going to be so beautiful. I'm almost starting to cry just talking about it. For now, as I record this, we actually just found out here in Colorado, we have the fast spreading mutation of COVID. So it's possible things will get worse before they get better, but I don't know. I'm feeling like it's all going to be okay. I hope you're having that same hopeful feeling. So today's episode is all about intuitive eating. I really wanted to do an eating episode for the new year, for our first episode of the new year. 
I really wanted to do an episode on food as the first one of the new year, just because I know so many of you are making New Year's resolutions so commonly, that is to eat better as an athlete, to fuel your body better. And I feel like intuitive eating is one that I've kind of mentioned a lot on the show, but really haven't done a deep dive on. And I really think it can be a very important tool for us as athletes. So we're going to do that deep dive today. So first of all, what is intuitive eating? And basically, it just means eating according to your body's hunger signals rather than opening up the MyFitnessPal, tracking the calories, tracking the macros. You just kind of feel into the body, listen to what it wants, get close to your intuition. And as we know, the body is so wise. If we really can get in touch with it, it's going to guide us usually in the right direction. Now, you may have heard me mention intuitive eating on this program in the context of it not always being the best approach for endurance athletes. So I thought maybe to start with, let's talk about the pros and cons of intuitive eating. And really, I'll share a little bit about how I use it to fuel myself in a way that's healthy, that's good for my mind, my emotions. And at the same time, I make sure I'm still getting all the fuel I need to be a good athlete. So the pros of intuitive eating. First of all, this is probably the best approach to eating for anyone that has a history of disordered eating, has a lot of body image issues, has struggled a lot with yo-yo dieting, The beautiful thing about intuitive eating is it really emphasizes love, trust, and connection with your body instead of always fighting with it. Maybe I've definitely gone through this experience. And so I have so many women I know where your whole life just feels like a struggle with food, with weight. It's almost like a war. You just are elated when you have a good day, you're upset and devastated when you have a bad day, and it just never ends. So this is the way you end it. This intuitive eating thing is one of the best ways to make a lasting change. And one thing I love about it is that it really separates food from morality. I remember a few years ago, I was on vacation on a mountaineering trip. In fact, we were about to climb like a huge ass mountain and someone bought me a donut at the donut shop and I'm looking at it like, ah, I can't like throw it in the trash. I actually have to eat this and I feel bad because donuts are a bad food. Donuts are actually not that bad, especially if you don't eat them all that often. But yeah, like we get, we attach almost like morality to certain foods, right? So I ate this donut. It was delicious. And then I just felt like I wanted to throw up afterwards. I'm like, I can't believe I ate that. And then I'm like, Sarah, you're about to go climb like a big mountain. You're going to burn like 10,000 calories in a day. Like you you could probably need to eat a donut. (laughs) But you can see how our culture gets so caught up in good and bad and good people are people that eat right and bad people are people that are overweight or not eating the way we think they should. So the beautiful thing about intuitive eating is it just wipes all that away. So another thing I love about intuitive eating is it rejects harmful diet culture that emphasizes short-term fixes. Maybe some of you have been on that just hamster wheel of dieting. You lose weight kind of fast. It feels really good. You get a lot of affirmation, positive feedback about it. And then 
because the change that you make to lose that weight is not sustainable, it comes back. And then over time, for some people, it becomes much harder to lose weight because our metabolism has changed, our body has just fixed in patterns that are not helping us to lose weight. So it's really important that we get off that yo-yo dieting and start thinking more about how do we make change that's sustainable, that's long-term, that we can keep doing for our our entire lives. So for many people, that change is going to be intuitive eating. It's a gentle, pleasurable eating practice emphasizing moderation. For those of you who track, I'm a big tracker. I've talked about it pretty openly on this program, but we all know it creates a lot of cognitive load, right? Like every time you eat something, you got to pull out the phone, turn on the MyFitnessPal. If you're like me and use the free one, you got to click past all the ads and then put your food in. And it just becomes onerous after a while, especially if you're someone that does it every day. I have a friend who's a bodybuilder. She's like logged in like 900 days in a row. (laughs) And I'm like amazed. She's just so good with it and doesn't seem to struggle with it the way a lot of people do. But yeah, I get really tired of it, especially if I'm in a phase where I'm trying to do it every day. Another great thing about intuitive eating is it really puts you in good connection with your body. You really start tuning into your body's signals sensations. And that leads to tuning into your your emotions, just really getting to know yourself better, understanding your wants and needs, which honestly, when you're doing a busy day at work and you're just rushing through everything, how often do you take to just tune into yourself and be like, how do I feel? Am I happy? Am I sad? Am I hungry? Like we never do, right? (laughs) So it's almost like a mind-body practice in that way that we're just really getting back in touch and reconnecting with the body, which is always really good for our health, our mental health, all the parts of life. And then finally, like my favorite thing about intuitive eating is it accepts that pleasure is part of a healthy lifestyle. Just kind of think about that for a minute. Like we kind of think of having good health as sacrifice, as not being able to eat what we want, as, you know, having to go work out when we don't feel like it. And really the philosophy behind intuitive eating is life should be pleasurable. We should be able to eat some chocolate in moderation if that's something we want. If we want to drink a glass of wine, that should be fine. Foods you enjoy are actually good for you because they're good for your mental health. Pleasure is good for you. And also, if you're occasionally eating things that are pleasurable, you're probably less likely to go crazy and binge and eat a whole bunch of food that's bad for you. So those are the pros of intuitive eating. There's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of good reasons to do this. So why aren't I doing this 100% of the time? And I'll just share from my point of view. Different athletes feel differently about this. But this is my experience and also kind of what I see working with different clients, different people. So first of all, in endurance athletes, our hunger signals, at least for me, speaking from my experience, tend to get a bit scrambled. If I just ate when I was hungry during hard training, I would overeat by quite a bit. And I've checked on my fitness tracker. Like I'm, if I'm just following hunger signals, I could probably eat like three, 4,000 calories. Like I just don't stop. And I think that that is natural. When we're doing hard training, we can, to some degree, you know, change our nutrition so we're a bit more satiated, but we are going to be really hungry. We're putting our bodies under unusual demands. It's another reason I think it's really important to have a training season and not train hard like year round and try to extend your peak too long. You do need to 
give your body a chance to re-regulate, to feel full, to feel fueled. I think that's really good for you. But yeah, during hard training, it's pretty normal to be really, really hungry, maybe more hungry than what you actually need to eat. Another problem that can come up with intuitive eating during training is underfueling. We actually need to eat quite a bit during hard training. We might need to eat that 3,000 calories a day, 4,000 calories a day, especially on a day when we have a hard training hike, a long run. And it's totally possible that we're not eating enough because it just seems strange to eat that much outside of like Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner, right? So it is dangerous to underfeel yourself during endurance training, it can actually cause you to lose muscle mass, which is going to hurt your performance. You might be losing weight, but the weight is not fat. The weight is stuff you actually want to keep that helps you perform your best. It can also throw your macros off if you're intuitive eating. Endurance athletes during hard training, we need lots of carbs. We need lots of protein to recover. And Sometimes the only way for me to really make sure I'm getting that is to look at it on the tracker. I'm like, wow, I still need 100 grams of carbs. That seems so strange, but time to make an adjustment to the diet. So in that way, I do think tracking has a lot of benefits for folks who are doing endurance training. That being said, what I really recommend and what we're going to talk about in the rest of this program is following a blended approach. So that means that you're eating intuitively, you're tuning into your body's hunger signals. However, you're once in a while giving yourself a reality check with MyFitnessPal. And even for those of you who really enjoy tracking every day, you can still benefit from intuitive eating. You can still notice and honor your body's hunger signals, use the hunger scale, some of the tools we're going to talk about, and find healthy ways to process your emotions. So how do you do all this? Let's dive in. So the first step I usually recommend is to get familiar with what's called the hunger scale. So The value of using a scale is that we often eat when we're not hungry. It can be a coping mechanism. It can be a way to not feel our feelings or distract ourselves. So often we're eating when we're actually kind of physically full or satisfied, not really hungry. And then on the other hand, if we let ourselves get too hungry, that can actually trigger binging, trigger eating things that aren't really good for us that we wouldn't normally eat. So we want to eat in what's called the zone of comfort, where we're a little bit hungry, not too hungry. And we want to stop eating when we're pretty full, but not over full. So how do we do that? Let's talk about the hunger scale. So next time you feel the urge to eat, I want you to rate your hunger on a scale of one to 10. One is so hungry, you can't function. You're really, really hangry and just have like spacing out and not able to focus because you're so starving to death. And then 10 is being so full that you feel sick. So maybe you've had this feeling if you've ever gone to a really a restaurant buffet or on Thanksgiving, Christmas day, you just are so full. You feel like you want to throw up and it feels terrible. So that's a 10. So on a scale of one to 10, just place yourself. And generally, we want to start eating when we're around a three or a four. We're noticing that we're hungry. We're feeling physically hungry. And then we want to stop when we're at about a five or a six. We feel good. We feel satisfied. We feel maybe a little bit full, but not over full. 
helpful. So the hunger scale, really useful tool. I'm going to put a link to a hunger scale that gives a little bit more description for each of the numbers. It's something that's good to memorize, kind of have bookmarked on your computer so you can check in with it. But I really want you just to start using that every time you eat, just to do a reality check with yourself about where your physical body is at. Then when you're eating, I want you to practice what we call mindful eating. Sometimes as we're eating, it's really hard to tune into our body's signals. We have a hard time knowing, are we full? Are we satisfied? So here's a few tips to help with that. First of all, it's really important to eat without distractions. Um, I want you to turn off the TV before you eat, put away the books, the magazines, the newspaper, put the computer to sleep. I know that's the thing I'm most guilty of. I love like reading just crap on the internet (laughs) while I'm eating alone in my house, especially during COVID. But it just makes it easy to just kind of ignore like how your body is feeling. So even if that gives you some pleasure, I want you to really try to just eliminate those things from your meals. And then as you're eating, eat slowly. Make a point of just really tasting each bite, enjoying the flavors, the textures, just savoring your food. Like how often do we do that? Like so often, even if it's like food we really like, like a donut, (laughs) we just like kind of eat it fast and don't really get to enjoy it. So just taking the time to eat slow, enjoy your food. And as you're going along, you're going to pause and just check yourself on the hunger scale. Sometimes it takes a bit of time for your physical feeling of fullness to actually catch up with what's going on in your body. This is why it's so important just to eat slowly. As your stomach gets fuller, it actually releases hormones. And it takes some time for those hormones to actually get to your brain and be perceived as fullness. So just checking in frequently, pausing, feeling into the body, being like, yeah, where am I on the scale? And then stopping when you're at a five or a six. And then finally, so those are the things you can do when you're actually eating. But I really also want you in all of your life just to really focus on processing emotions in healthy ways. There is so much, so much, so much about food that is really having nothing to do with physical hunger, with fueling for exercise. And it's really having to do with using food to alter our moods, to numb our feelings, to distract ourselves from uncomfortable truths. One thing I notice as I'm working at home more during the pandemic is as the moment I get frustrated with something at work, I'm like, oh, this is just a, a request I don't want to do. And why are they making me do this? And immediately, like I'll get up from my computer and like go to the refrigerator and eat something. And it's usually some kind of comfort food. But yeah, it's kind of my way of escaping from this thing that I'm not excited about doing. So just notice how you're using food to alter your moods, distract yourself, and just not feel the things and see the truths of your life that are hard to see sometimes. So what can you do about this so that you have less of this and more healthy processing of your emotions. First of all, I really want you to start practicing noticing and allowing emotions. This is the number one thing. A lot of us are really good at just numbing out, distracting, burying those emotions so we never feel them. It was really funny. We do in breathwork school, breathwork facilitator school, a practice called doing a feeler where you sit with another person and you kind of describe the emotions 
that you're feeling and kind of where they're sitting in your body. Do they have a color? Do they have a texture? So the first time I did it, I'm like, um, I can't find one. <laughs> it was just so out of touch with my emotions. It was like, they were there, like my jaw was all clenched up. If I really felt into it and took some time, I would notice that. But I'm like, oh, I don't even know what emotion that is. So yeah, just really taking time through mind-body practices, if that's helpful to notice emotions. And when you notice them, just allowing them to be there. The moment you notice you're angry, don't like run to the computer and just start binging on like entertainment websites. Don't turn on the trash TV. Don't get busy with something at work. Just kind of let sit with that anger for a moment and let it be there. It's not going to hurt you. It's amazing how much feeling we can feel and be okay. And once we see those feelings and let them be there, like that's the first step to processing, to releasing. So yeah, you can see how allowing is so, so important. And mind-body practices, meditation, breath work, yoga. These are all great ways if you are someone that's really like out of touch and not connected to your emotions to really start getting back in there. They're much cheaper than therapy. So (laughs) definitely check it out. And then just how do you create that space so that you have time to process emotion? I think one of the most important things you can do is to slow down. What in your life can you let go of to create more space and more calm in your life? Maybe you need to really look at priorities. Is sitting on that annoying committee that's taking up all your time Could you be spending that time with family, working on your creative pursuits, cooking healthy meals, exercising? Another one I really like is Constraints. Brooke Castillo, I've talked about her before on this show. She's a really amazing life coach. I really love her podcast, but she talks about just like narrowing her choices in order to just make more time for herself and just make more space in her head. And my favorite example is she only buys clothes from one store, or I think maybe it's two stores. One was like black market, white. What is that store called? I don't know. The black and white store (laughs) only buys clothes for one place. This could also look like maybe just spending most of your time with three people you really enjoy or getting your news from one source or just really looking for ways that like rules you can make for yourself that keep you constrained, basically, so that you're not making so many choices all the time. On the diet front, I use constraint a lot. I actually have like maybe five meals that I meal prep and I rotate through them. I've talked about this a little on my meal prep episode. I basically have just a couple menus and really I don't learn new recipes very often. When I'm trying a new recipe, it's a big deal. I expect I'm maybe not going to like it or it's not going to go well the first time I make it. And yeah, so I really have to commit to bringing a new recipe into my program. And I do once in a while because, I mean, you get tired of things and it's good to add new things, but it's really maybe a few times a year I try something new, which might sound boring, but man, it gives me a lot of free time and I know how to make the things I have really well, really fast. So you can also practice constraint with meal prep, with food. It's actually pretty useful. And finally, did I mention mind-body practices? I am such a fan of this. It's really changed my life during the pandemic. You might have heard my episode on breathwork. I've been doing my breathwork practicum, so breathes with a few of you, which has been really, really fun. 
And really, one of the gifts of breathwork is just really connecting me to my true self and what I really want. Once I started getting to know myself and honor myself and really check in with myself and be like, hey, I want to do this thing that I always do. Like sometimes the answer was no. I made some big changes. I quit some committees. I left some activities and some clubs and maybe changed some priorities as far as relationships just because I realized that they were just not bringing me joy, working for me. And I got to tell you, it's such a nice way to live. It's not always easy sometimes, you know. There was one committee that I quit that I agonized for weeks before I did it. I'm like, everyone's going to be disappointed in me. I am letting down all these people and blah, blah, blah. And then I quit and I'm like, why didn't I do this like months ago? This is exactly what I was supposed to do. So it was like such a weight lifted. So yeah, and I just, it took a lot of just reconnecting with myself to know that that was the right choice for me. So mind, body, amazing. I think as I'm recording this, going to be certified as of tomorrow as a breathwork facilitator. So I'll put a link to my new breathwork page up on the website. Definitely come and check it out. If that's something you want to explore, I would just be so happy to bring it to you. So there you have it, all about intuitive eating. And of course, it's not just about the eating. There's so much more that is on top of it with managing the emotions, processing the emotions. Nothing's simple, right? In this health, this fitness thing, (laughs) everything's connected. So this is a really great example of that. If you want to read more about intuitive eating, I'll share one more resource. It's my favorite book about food and body, and it's called Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth. Don't let the title mislead you. Also, like 90% of the stuff in there is going to apply to men and be very helpful. So certainly check it out if you're interested in learning more. And yeah... I'm going to leave you with that for this week. So enjoy the first week of 2021. Get really excited for all the things to come. And I will talk to you next week. Take care. Hey, friend. If you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.